Hello and welcome to Museum Kind. We are registrars here in the spooky season and we are going to talk about spooky things. I'm Sarah. I'm Madeline. I'm Maddie. Excellent. This is Halloween. And by that we mean it's almost October. So it's spooky, <laughs> it's spooky season. It started two months ago. <laughs> in our hearts and in our souls. Yeah. There is a house down the street that has two of the 12 foot skeletons nice <laughs> excellent uh, my husband asked me if i wanted one and i was like yeah but i don't know if we got the gusto to get that baby up <laughs> in time oh, you can do it yeah or renters you can't get a 12 foot skeleton i don't know yeah is everybody do we have any tea what's everybody drinking i'm gonna go i have iced tea from our almighty republic of tea and it is cranberry orange and it's a little late to consume this, but I am enjoying it very much. Okay. <clears throat> I'm doing, I'm dabbling in the, the mocktail area of the market this evening. And um, I've got a Curious Elixir number one cocktail. And so it's a pomegranate cocktail inspired by the Negroni Subliado. <laughs> I know I said that wrong. I the I knew the first word, but I have no idea what the second one is supposed to be. I I don't either. I enjoy it though. It's got a bitterness. It's earthy. It has a little bit of fruit. It's supposed to have like mood boosting aptogens. So, oh. um, I I enjoy it. What's an aptogen? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking because I don't know either. You know. I I need to look up the exact <laughs> definition of it. <laughs> so let's see. And is this like a prefab bottle thing? You just crack it open and pour? Is that what yes. it is? Yeah. And they okay. have lots of different uh, mixtures. For the aptogens. No, not. No, for just the the whole I'm cocktail. Joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay. As I speculate on what an aptogen is. Okay, no, I'm like, is so it like an enzyme? It's it's like an herb. And so it it is an herb. It's not like an herb. Uh, um, it's several different kinds. So like ginseng is an aptogen, basil, ashwagandha, uh, astragalus root, licorice root. I don't know how to say this, but rhodiola, rhodiola, yeah, mushrooms. So. Okay, I see that it's a bioflavonoid. <laughs> That's what Google's telling me. That it reduces anxiety, affects immune health, and modulate hormone. Yes. All right. Yeah. So that's what this mocktail is That's doing cool. for me. <laughs> I love it. I. I got everything wrong about what we were doing today. So this is water. <laughs> hydrate. Yeah. You got to stay hydrated. It's my favorite drink. Just a cold cup of water. Cold cup of water? Ice, no ice. Uh, no ice, but it is from the fridge. Uh-huh. My family will laugh. As a child, I always ask for water from the fridge. <laughs> so it's still my favorite after all these years. Oh, uh, tried and true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just like Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. Yes. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> I am interested in what your guys' surprise spooky things are. Uh, because we didn't talk we didn't talk about this yet. So You're right. 
who wants to go first? Uh, I, I can start us off if you All want. All right. So okay. Spook, spook us up. Spook All right. Up. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to ask you two, what gives you the heebie-jeebies? Uh, creepy men. Oh, okay. That's a good oh, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and cockroaches. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. and spiders. Uh, to start naming the list, yeah. It's a list. There's yeah. tons of stuff. What about you, Maddie? I don't like German cockroaches. Oh, yeah. Like an infestation. Mm. Don't enjoy that. Yeah. I'm almost worried to say my biggest TBG. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because then you're like, oh, I heard you're afraid of this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can keep it close. That's fine. <laughs> well, <clears throat> have you ever been walking around an art museum and you're deep into the galleries, wandering around, and you see a woman sitting at a desk in the center of the room? What is she doing there? You stay a close distance away because you don't want to intrude. Maybe you even say, hello, ma'am. How are you? But there's something not quite right. You look back and she's not real. She's not real? <laughs> yes. It's a ghost? No. She is a freaking sculpture. So oh. my spooky is I find hyper-realist art, particularly sculpture, very spooky. It sends shivers down my spine. Why? I think it's because of this thing called mimesis, which is the representation or imitation of the real world in art and literature. It's all over the place, but there's something that happens when the imitation of a human is just a little too lifelike, but also not quite right. Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley. That's exactly right. Ooh, uh, uh unpack what uncanny valley is for me please yeah will do okay (laughs) (laughs) it's a term coined in the 1970s by Masahiro Mori a professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology and in aesthetics the uncanny valley is a hypothesized relation between an object's degree of resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to the object. So in this phenomenon, people feel a sense of unease or even revulsion in response to humanoid robots that are highly realistic. And I feel like in art, this definitely um, goes along with hyper-realist sculpture. So have either of you seen a sculpture like this before? I would like clarification. Are we talking like not like the neoclassical ones that are in Marvel that you're like, wow, no, 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 so no, a full fleshy, like, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I can pull up images for you guys. Okay. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, let me pull up an image. What well, we can cut out this pause. This is technology. This is technology. Technology. I have a list of questions already. <laughs> uh, I, oh. I, okay, I've seen that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this is at the 
Smithsonian American Art Museum. Sorry, I'm trying to remember the acronym of yeah. SAM. Um, and it is a very popular Dwayne Hansen sculpture. It's called Woman Eating. That is a very realistic looking woman sitting at a table eating some yes. ice cream. Yes. 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 It looks like she's at like a little diner table. There's a napkin thing. Uh -huh. um, she's got a dirty shopping bag next to her. She looks like kind of 50s, 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this creeps you out. This gives you the heebie-jeebies when you look at it in, in real life. In real life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So here I will explain a little bit more. Okay. Um, so <laughs> does scale matter a lot? Like, cause I know there's some oversized hyper realistic. There's some oversized ones too. I have, I haven't seen an oversized one in person, but I'm sure that would also like, I don't know, kind of freak me out a little bit, but maybe it would have enough disconnect. Maybe. Yes. Um, but yeah, so these sculptures are very common in contemporary art museums. And the the museum where I work, we have one. Oh, yes. interesting. You do? Yeah. yeah, not by Dwayne Hansen. We have one by, um, he's an artist, Mark Sijan. And um, <clears throat> it's actually of a security guard sitting in a chair. And... I cannot stand it when this guy is in our storage area. Like oh. I, I come upstairs into our storage area and I'm just like, it, it always kind of like catches me off guard. And anytime I bring someone new into our storage, they're all, it freaks them out too. Is it fully facing you when you enter the room? You don't no, have it covered with anything for... He's turned around. His back is turned. Oh, that's also like kind of spooky. Yeah, because yeah, you can't... You can tell it's like a body, but you can't see his face. Because uh, once you see his face, you're like, it's a little dead-ish. But okay. mm -hmm. yeah. So yes, that that's uh, one of my things. I didn't really know this was a thing until I actually saw one of these in person but also I get weirded out by mascot and masks like um you know like the full Halloween kind of like rubbery ones oh I don't like fake hair so like, oh okay I, I, yeah that gives me the heebie-jeebies I guess it's like okay. fake hair or like hair that's not connected to a living thing yeah uh, so I don't like those masks kind of because of that and like that right. feel, that claustrophobic feel like there's just a lot to them yes there's a lot you have to think about for the preservation of these things too um it, the article that I was looking into for my research was actually from the Smithsonian and how to conserve um this object so is there a lot of plastics in in it um this one in particular was cast in fiberglass Mm. And a lot of them are fiberglass and resin. And then the details like that table, the um, napkin container, that's all real. So mm. um, it's what we call in the profession a complex object because it involves several different types of materials like wigs and um, 
a paper bag. Uh, so as far as the objects preservation, uh, you have to approach every single thing differently. And okay, so over time, this sculpture called Woman Eating that I showed you ladies, uh, accrued a fine layer of grime and her clothes and hair were covered in dust and various parts of um, of her needed treatment or things that, you know, her, uh, what would you call them? Accessories. Uh -huh. <laughs> the artist used a range of materials like we discussed, and these include fiberglass, artificial and animal leather, um, napkins, metal, plastic, synthetic hair, salt and pepper shakers, uh, a cotton shoestring, polyester resin, rhinestones, newsprint, paper, twine, fabric, oil paint, cardboard, and glass. And that's a lot of wow. different lot of things to think about. Yeah. So conservators had to perform extensive research on all of these materials to understand how they aged and the best way to clean the work while protecting it from any chemicals or cleaning techniques that might cause further damage. So uh, for example, the sculpture includes a grocery bag and the artist wanted this to appear used. That's why it looks kind of dirty, but the paper of course became brittle with age and there's a tear in the bag. And so that tear kind of widened with the pressure of the contents in the bag. And so while they couldn't reverse that aging, they were able to stabilize the bag so that there wouldn't be any further deterioration. So I, I mentioned we have one at the museum where I work. It's not a, a Dwayne Hansen, but um, a Mark C. Jean and Luckily, we have a conservator who cleans it because I don't like to be anywhere near <laughs> that guy. <laughs> and in some ways, you approach the preservation as you would like a real person with real accessories. Uh, we shine the shoes occasionally and we replace the watch battery. Oh. You could give him a daily paper to hold in his hand. He His hand is actually in such a way that you could insert a folded paper into it. Oh. Yeah. And um, we, for the clothing, we vacuum it to remove the dust. And during COVID, we put a face mask on him. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. This was... Um, it, it is a popular sculpture at the museum and people ask about it when it's not there, but it's funny to watch visitors encounter it for the first time because they totally walk by it thinking that it's just a guy sitting in a chair. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, it's not real. And then they start taking selfies with it. And you know, Do you have any like demarcations on the floor to be like, like to, to what, what around it cues you that it isn't just a guy sitting on a chair. So it's been displayed before where there weren't any stanchions. And I feel like, you know, that's better for the contemporary art aspect of it. But obviously for per for preservation, um, it's it's not ideal. So we've had to put stanchions around 
him in the past because people just get like way too close. Like they're like, Oh, you're my, you're my buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. Especially if there's not like a clear delineation of like, well, how close can I get? And it's so rare right. that you can just stare at a per like, I'm sure they're, they didn't, like they don't notice because they're not looking intensely at a real person. And it's only yeah. by looking kind of intensely that you can tell it's not a real person. Mm -hmm. I mean, this kind of, I don't know if this is like a crazy connection, but like also like mannequins, whether they're good mannequins or bad mannequins, like, you know, in terms of realism, kind of, I know, creep a lot of people out or, yeah. you know. Um, when you see a lot of mannequins in a, a setting that's not like obviously in a display store that also feels uh, creepy kind of like it's not yeah. right I mean wax museums some are realistic some are not you, you know you feel weird but also I mean we're, we're all three of us are interested in true crime and it reminds me that um, we've heard on a podcast before my favorite murder that they always bring up that a lot of times when people find an actual body of a human, and I hope this isn't like too dark, but that your brain goes, well, that's weird. There's a mannequin in the ditch. Like, Oh, like really? You, you, yeah. Like, have you, I, yeah. Okay. Like, I know they've brought that up that a lot of people go, Oh, I thought they're like, it's never a mannequin. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's never a mannequin. It's likely body, but you also don't encounter a lot of bodies in situations that aren't right. So like just the kind of, uh, weird and stillness of mannequins and it, it, like the stillness yeah. of the, the artwork that you're discussing like it just kind of triggers something in your brain of uh, it does yeah and I don't know if everyone feels that way but it definitely causes that a little bit of revulsion reaction in me I think that's normal and I know that's come up a lot with like AI actors where yeah. it's just like your yeah. brain having that little trigger of um, something is off and I can't tell what it is can have a big impact. So like with mannequins, it's usually pretty quick that you can tell it's not real, but we've all been in that situation where you walk into a storage room and like you've been yeah. prepping the mannequins for an exhibit and like you've been around them, but every time you walk in, you're like, who's there? Yeah. Well, it, and like for those of us that want to believe in the supernatural, you know, I, I want there to be magic out there that when you see something that isn't an, in inanimate and like that you're like, it, it's, it's mimicking real life that you, you can trick yourself. Like when I worked at a museum one time, they had a, um, an African masquerade costume. So like the face was completely covered by like many panels of fabric, but in the back of the room, it looked like there was a large figure, you know, that was robed and that sucker didn't move on its own. It never did. It was always in the same spot. I will tell you when I had to go turn the light off and get to the door, I would definitely do that. Like better do it quick before that thing comes to life yeah you know like it just um yeah. yeah it just does something to you yeah it does in the galleries I've seen that piece I don't feel in the gallery setting and I think it's because those the, the that gallery is like a very popular high um uh traffic gallery mm -hmm. that when there's all the other people around it doesn't um give you the heebie-jeebies but I could see that if I was like, say the last guard leaving the gallery, you yeah. know what I mean? When you have this intimacy with it, that you'd be a little spooked. So like in your storage room. And yeah. In a work setting, I feel like it gets a little creepier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That is creepy. Yes. <laughs> that's cool. You, you guys have it. I didn't know you had one of those. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, we have a terrible, uh, I've, I won't say, but we have a, a piece that is an actual like store mannequin that's been like spray painted like hot pink and like in a baby pool and it's got all these accoutrements and it's um sounds it just, crazy. Yeah, it looks so 
fake off the bat that every now and then I catch her up in the top shelves like up there like she's like looking down on us all the time while we work but uh-huh. she's so, she's a little comical because she's bright pink so you know you just we also have like a life-size paper mache tiger that's like in a leaping roar kind of like you know pouncing shape it's like super cool I like to see that at the corner of my eye when I'm leaving. <laughs> Are you ever like, I got to hurry or it's going to get me? <laughs> we put so much stuff in front of it right now that it's a hazard. That that If that baby wanted to get me, it could get out of there. It's got so much to climb over. It's crazy. Perfect. Yeah. That's Store, storage issues, you know. Okay, cool. So I went to a spooky, spooky city recently. I was in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, my. Nice. Have you guys been to Savannah? I have not. I have many times. <laughs> oh, yes. Did you find it spooky? It's definitely got spooky Southern vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like a bachelorette capital. So, <laughs> and there's lots of families and, um, you know, lots of partying going on. So like, it's that mixed with that draping moss covered oak trees lined streets historic homes and cemeteries so we went on one of the many 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 haunted tours our first night in savannah i can't say that we actually did a lot of museum stuff we did a lot of walking around and just looking at the architecture which i think is a good way to see the city and just kind of get get all the vibes in And so we went on the Creepy Crawl Haunted Pub Tour, and I got some information from our lovely tour guide, and she was saying how at one point there, like, were so many of the, like, as we were walking to go to, like, our starting point, um, we passed other tours going on. And, like, Savannah has tons of these nighttime walking tours of the sites, and they're not all (laughs) pub-related, ours was, but... Um, there were so many that at one point the city had like a kind of certificate program or it wasn't a training program, but there was some sort of like test of like, you had to pass this to make sure that you weren't spreading random information (laughs) about the city. And they, they got, I think, I hope sued is the right word, um, as like a first amendment thing. (laughs) (laughs) we want to be able to say whatever we want on our tours was what some people felt others were like great let's make sure that even though we're all saying different information it's accurate and some sort of level and some people were like no (laughs) and um okay so now uh you can kind of say whatever you want which I will say a lot of the things that we discussed, our, our tour guide was very good and like had lots of good whenever we had like history, strong history questions, um, had a good foundation and I trust her completely. But like a lot of the stories in, in Savannah in general are sort of like some people say this happened. Some people mm-hmm. say this happened. Some people say this. And like unless someone has actually written us very solid um, definitive history book there's so much like skepticism and like there's so much like gossip in the town and people saying different things even um I've been reading Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil and yeah um by John I never know how to say this John Brent Brent maybe it's just Brent um 
but even in that, like, there's so much of like, someone said this, and this is what people said. So like, there is a level to that. And as well as our tour guide, at least had a couple of versions of, well, when I went into the building, this is the ghost I saw. <laughs> or this. Type oh, of- your tour guide saw a ghost? Yes. Well, okay. Our tour guide said, here's the thing. I actually, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. already said she wants to believe Madeline. Oh, I want to believe. I, I feel like I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm past the, the wanting to, and I do. Oh, does that make me terrible? No, makes no. you wi- wildly interesting to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a Velma. I'm the one who walks in and like, it's like, well, I'm never going to see a ghost because like, I'm the one who's like, oh, no, they're just lying. <laughs> yeah, that's just a draft. A window's left open. That's not a ghost. Yeah, yeah. it's not a ghost, whatever. But I think it's um interesting that so many people want to be connected to the past and to emotions within spaces. And um, it's cool. So I, I enjoy the stories. And, um, you know, uh, we we didn't go into the buildings. But yes, there were a couple where our tour guide was like, I will not go into that building because of like the creepiness of my experience on these tours. And some of them are within museums. Um, I did want to point out just a couple that we went to. So some of them, like I said, would be pubs where we stopped in and we'd hear the ghost story. And some of them were buildings that we would pass by. And, you know, Savannah's got all these beautiful squares. So many of them were the buildings around the squares and the architecture is is gorgeous in the city and there's lots of historic preservation, um, which there is a lot about that in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And even in that, some people say certain things about different historical preservation societies and then other people who have left the societies have other things to say. So very gossipy and fun. So there was a 1790 Inn and Restaurant, which was a favorite spot of mine in the city. Uh, it's, just, it's like this kind of crooked building. And uh, it was not built in 1790. Uh, It was built in 1820, but 1820 was a really bad year. (laughs) There was one of the fires and one of the many bouts of yellow fever in the city. Mm. If you go to the cemeteries, there's tons of um, yellow fever related (laughs) deaths. And uh, she also told us that within Savannah, like there's so many instances of people digging in their yards and finding bones and like mm. the city is just stacked and stacked and stacked. And I know like the cemetery actually expands way out onto the, like where the sidewalk now is. The city is mm. just like built and built and built on people. And so I think that's why people like want to have these stories and be super connected is just like there's just layers and layers of history within this relatively small area yeah um some of that has been not like lost to time but has been like faded into stories and and everything so like in the 1790 for instance where there are at least three ghosts the famous ghost is anna in room 204 and when you go to room 204 it's a very long i think reservation um but you have to sign a waiver to say that you will pay for the whole night even if you do not stay the whole night because anna uh, will sometimes like move jewelry, clothing. She might like nudge you in the bed. Um, oh, don't like that. Mm-mm. No, but you'd still have to pay if that happens. <laughs> and you okay. and you ran out in the middle of the night. <laughs> she had an arranged marriage. She fell in love with a sailor. 
and she maybe threw herself from the third floor when her sailor man left and she could see the white sails of him as he left her and abandoned her and she had nothing left or maybe her husband pushed her out the window nobody knows but would they know that she died out of the window and that she haunts the room to this day And then another one I wanted to talk about was the Hamilton Turner Inn or the mansion, which was the first house to have electricity and people would just walk by and look and like, hey, look at that. That's crazy. Uh-huh. And there's like children used to be stuck upstairs when there were parties going on. So some people say that they hear like a billiard ball coming down the stairs because sometimes the kids would have like a ball go down like, oh, I got to go get the ball and like yeah. spy on the, <laughs> the party. Classic. Yes, classic kid move. And they do say that there's a Confederate soldier walking the halls, but that building was built in 1873. So maybe that was where the soldier died and was buried. And like, since it's on his Mm. burial site, like he came up into the building. So again, like that kind of idea of like, we're also building on these grave sites and that like has an impact. And then, oh, he wanders and like knocks on the halls like on the doors (laughs) and oh so this guy so samuel samuel hamilton wanted to protect all the art that he had accumulated he was an owner of the house and so he had a guy stand on his roof with a gun um, Ah. to protect his art which i thought was very interesting um yeah that's that's one strategy yeah it is well it didn't work great because that guy got shot in the back of the head and so he and that murder was unsolved and i think he might be one of the ghosts and then mr hamilton himself was like fine i'll go up there with my gun and i'll guard my stuff but then of course he got sick (laughs) standing Uh. out oh and so he passed away too and the interesting thing i thought was so like um, Dr. Francis Turner in 1915, he moved in and his office was his basement and it's rumored that he performed autopsies down there. Ooh. And that was not the only story I heard in Savannah about someone doing either autopsies or experimentation in their basement. Um, Cause a lot of these were slaveholding residences. This was the South. And so I always find it interesting when like, there is this, um, Like there's like, we talked about this with mummies, like there's like a ghost story and a mythical story that I think has a lot to do with like, it's a fun kind of manifestation of actual terror and actual horror inflicted. Yeah. And sort of like the guilt of that, if we like did something terrible in this house, something terrible was done, like with Anna, it's like when women were forced as property to marry. Yeah. And the consequences of that and like any like negative consequence that happened in this person's life manifests in ghost form and like the reality is like someone was horribly mistreated or whole populations of people were horribly mistreated so that's like (laughs) making ghosts not fun (laughs) yeah I like to think of it but I, I think it is sort of like a way of like keeping the knowledge around so in that way I think that's still like important like it, it i think it's still very meaningful that people want to do that yeah. and like keep knowledge of like these wrongdoings around in some way even if it is in like ghosts and myths mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um also the hamilton turner inn is rumored to have inspired disney's haunted mansion oh in california yeah although when i see it it looks a lot more like a new orleans style house yeah i always thought it was new orleans based but i guess maybe it's savannah Maybe. And there is some architectural 
overlap, but yeah, you know, we know the one in Disney World was better anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you never once on your journey you didn't get the heebie-jeebies. You like did? Did you get any feelings that you couldn't just go? Oh, that was definitely this or that. Like. No, the only heebie-jeebie thing that ever happened was with a creepy man. You're right, Sarah. Ah, they're everywhere. So they're everywhere. But I want to ask Maddie: Would you ever, since you're, you know, more of a realist, logical, would you stay at the the Anna room? I don't know that I would go to great lengths to stay in the Anna room. Not as an interest, but it, like if I dared you. <laughs> Oh, well, I couldn't say no to a dare. I mean, um, <laughs> I I believe that, like, there could be a reason why people feel uncomfortable. Okay. You know, like, maybe when you're in there and you know somebody has died there, you can't get that out of your head and, like, you can't mm-hmm. sleep well. So, like, I'm not sure that that wouldn't happen. Um, no, I mean, the creepiest thing I said, we were, like, at the cemetery at night on a tour and there was a black cat and we were like, great! Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I will say, um, I, I have, there is one, I have, I'll make this brief, injured myself once on a bronze statue. And I do kind of think that bronze statues are haunted. I do think that was trying to take me down for yeah. various reasons. Um, so like, there can be things where I'm just like, I don't mess with that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I, so maybe that is sort of connected of like, there are things that I'm just like, I don't want to interact with that thing. So I'd imagine that's a similar reaction to people feeling like, I think that's haunted. I don't want to interact with it. Yeah. Maybe we'll have that come up at some point. (laughs) Well, it's it's kind of, it's kind of like we're the three stages of like believing you're like, no, hyper-rational, absolutely. You know, I want to believe. So I'm, I'm like on the cusp being like, no, you can rationalize it or you can believe in Madeline. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh yeah, this is happening. Yeah, like I wouldn't stay there because I'd be sure that something would happen to me. Yeah, and I'd probably work myself up into a tizzy. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I would find reasons. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. the spectrum. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I would recommend Savannah to all skeptics and believers alike. Okay, well, I went totally different that you know of course classic we just pick stuff and we're all totally different mm-hmm. um i went to uh, anthropodermic bibliopegy books found in human skin oh ah, murderer skin book murder oh. skin books right so i was just like oh yeah that is um just you know creepy on a couple of levels you know and so um there was quite there's like a lot of sources out there this is a very well covered topic by a couple like some particular people so uh, I read a book by its cover the strange history of books bound in human skin by Megan Rosenblum uh anthropodermicbooks.org these are basically your authorities on the subject uh the macabre practice of binding books in human skin that was a hyperallergic article you know, okay. the Wikipedia, you know, you just get, you go down a rabbit hole and you're like, yes, yes, yes. So um, there's not a ton of these books though, right? So human skin, um, a lot of them uh, were uh, originated in France, Britain, the United States. They were probably created in the late 18th and 19th century, but it started as early as the 15th or the 16th century. Um, 
So according to medical historian, because it gets pretty medical, the, the skin, the skin vibe here, medical historian Lindsay Fitzharris, the books were generally created for three reasons, punishment, memorialization, and collecting. So um, confessions of criminals were occasionally bound in the skin um, of the convicted individual. And uh, or you might just say, hey, I want to be memorialized for my family or my lover in the form of a book. I don't want that I don't want you there <laughs> yeah I don't want your skin yeah. uh, like you know like a skin lamp but you know I don't know I can you imagine if it's like eat pray love uh-huh <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I want you to cover a book my favorite book you know Harry Potter a goblet of fire you know <laughs> skin oh I'd never touch uh, it again no no so um a big thing was medical books right so in the late 18th century uh when like you, you think about like it I don't you know I don't know none of us are medical historians here I took one class in medical uh, the history of medical history well, oh then, wow okay wow so there we go so like but you know there's a shift in how doctors the profession changed you know over time yeah. and so uh at a time you know doctors were accumulating like wealth and status and they were able to be collectors of things you know fascinated people were really fascinated with the work they were doing and so uh some doctors had decided to preserve the hides of uh, deceased ind indigent ind indignant patients uh, to uh, and buying copies of their own work of or or work of other people that they admired. So they would be like, "Oh my God, I'm a genius in this topic. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to bind it in the skin of a human patient that I was doing that experimentation on." So like that's pretty dark right there. And yeah. then if you know, and then. Um, Another uh, thing is, is that like around that time, so we're talking late 18th century, public's executions was one of the only legal sources for obtaining bodies for like dissection. So uh, sometimes they removed the skin of uh, the people from the execution. So like infamous murderers, and they used them to buy books about what the murderers did uh, about their deeds. So just to also to try to be like this thing of like, hey, don't be a bad dude. We might take kill you take your skin and write down all the bad stuff you did and like kind of like show it off so it's just like this weird i don't know just it sounds like serial killer trophies yes well yeah because I what is it i don't know it, i was just gonna say you know using the skin he had skin belts at at game skin belts a skin lampshade he oh. he did all right it's kind of weird how it's like either this like memorialization or this like inf like you're either for famous or infamous it's kind of mm -hmm. like you know how in the mummy is <laughs> confusing why like this guy is punished so he's mummified uh-huh this is like wasn't that treatment supposed to be like if you were like really high up like it yeah. is yeah like, it goes to the highest or the lowest and like not to put any accuracy no it's it's true and so something that was interesting to me is like i love the french revolution as just a little period of history and boy oh boy a lot of this like skin book stuff had to also go around the french revolution because you think about like the enlightenment and the, the thought process that everyone was a scholar we're having salons and we're talking about things and so that around and after the french revolution uh doctors started viewing bodies as humans and not just specimens. So like there's this shift from the dehumanization of, of bodies. And so not just the French revolution, but that was just a big area of, 
um, you know, learning and just, you know, mm-hmm. prophesizing. And so around then, so there's, so there's lots of rumors. So there's like rumors of clothing made from human skin, like while the French revolution was going crazy. So like, basically like you would, you know, kill your opposing, you know, a political and theological person and then like make pants out of their skin and then just be like, check it out. I'm wearing this guy's skin, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty dark stuff. Right. But those are just rumors. That's not like, there's no skin pants out there that I was aware of. Okay. And then there was like rumors about skin bound books and stuff around that time. So like, this was like a topic that people were aware of. And so um, at Le Ball du Zephyr, a legendary and possibly fictitious ball held inside a French cemetery, which is kind of like, that is some dark stuff. Like a ball held inside of a French cemetery back in the day. I mean- Was this like Lestat run? Yes, that's exactly what I'm getting. I mean, I'd like to do that. Yeah. Oh, I know. okay. Okay. But do you still want to do it when the rumors are that skin bound leaflets of droits de Leon were said to be given out as party favors? No. So you'd get a little, see, you know, that's when you'd be like, Oh, I'm out. I thought we were having like a Gothic cemetery yeah. party. Yeah. Listening um, to the cure or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the dead men. Yes. Okay. Oh uh, Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So like, there's all these like rumors of books being out there and like being, like being a lot of books out there. Right. So there is this group of people that are the anthropomorphic book project, which those are the .org peeps. So they are basically scholar, scientists, curator, uh, just like a group of like five, uh, people that seem pretty smart. Um, definitely smart. So they, their mission is to identify what are ones that are actually human skin and which are not, because you don't just necessarily look at it and go, Oh, bingo, bango, that's a human skin. It looks like leather because it's gone through the tanning process. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so as of, this was as of May, 2019, they've taken a pause from what I can tell from 2019. At that time, they had books tested or in process 31s. They had identified these anthropodermic books, a number of 50. So they've identified 50 out of the ones they test. Um, 18 uh, books have been confirmed as human. Uh, Books proven to be non-human has been 13. And so in total, uh, identified as 50 so far. So, and they do that by doing a scientific process of peptide mass fingerprinting or PMF. Uh, it uses mm. unique unique peptide markers in the collagen of each, each animal family to determine the leather's source. So the DNA in these books is too degraded from time and tanning to be uh, successfully extracted by today's method. So that's why they don't just go, oh, let's just test the DNA. Um, it uses like a teeny, teeny, teeny sample. Like they used the, an image of a coin and then it was like a tiny spot on a penny was what they like really took off. And so by doing this, this PMF, they're able to like compare like goat and sheep and human and stuff and be like, boom, this is human. So it's relatively like non-destructive and cheap. And so that's what they're doing. So I'm going to tell you about a couple of known and famous skin books. <laughs> yeah let's talk human skin books you know you just okay some, sometimes this podcast takes us down a road that i wasn't i didn't i didn't go this is what i'm going to get into right but then i found it and and i was like oh, okay this is interesting okay. yeah I love it. so there's a famous book 
Um, it's skin from the thigh of a 28 year old woman that um, her name Mary Lynch. Uh, she, she died in 1869 of a parasitic infection. The thing that's a real bummer is that she went into the hospital with tuberculosis. She was there for like six months. This is like 1869. It's hot. It's the hospital. The food got infected with parasitic worms and she was fed old nasty pork. And that's actually what killed this poor woman. Right. So it's a terrible way to go. So that is, but the thing is, so she was 28 in Philadelphia, 1869. The doctor at the time took skin and immediately tanned it, but then he didn't use it for two decades later. And then when he did use it two decades later, he lined the spines of three books on women's health. Interesting. See, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's what we like, right? Um, it's And they're in the Historical Medical Library of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. So this is related also to the Mütter Museum, which I've never been to, but I want to go to. Um, and so it's related to that. And the Mütter Museum has five examples of these anthropomorphic books. So that is actually the largest confirmed location in one collection says the Muter Museum because they're like kind of farm view in between. Harvard University did uh, that PMF testing on their skin books and they found that two were sheepskin but the third on an 1880s copy of uh, I'm going to say it in the English the destinies of the soul was made from the skin of a French woman possibly a mental patient you know so a lot of this brings up the usage of people slaves bodies you know just yeah did you ask their family members if it would be okay yeah 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 and then just like oh i'm gonna take your skin i'm gonna tan it i'm gonna hold on to it for 20 years and just pull it out like when i want to you know i'm gonna do with it but like i'm just gonna put it in my craft studio yeah Yeah. just in case you know yeah um so and then there's um an infamous that this one is this one seems pretty popular it's a pocket-sized book bound in the skin of william burke and william burke is half maddie you know it of course you do you're such a history burke and hair yes so the half of the scottish duo burke and hair and they murdered 16 people back in the day in order to sell their bodies to doctors for dissection oh yeah so yeah they were the grave robbers that never actually robbed graves yeah Yeah. so like his unfortunate victims he could not escape the knife in the end and the skin of his book resides in the surgeon's hall museum in edinburgh so and i saw like there's a picture of it online it's like little and you would just be like oh look at that little leather you know pamphlet book kind of um Mm. and then in the brown university they have a copy of mademoiselle gerard my wife which is a controversial 1891 French novel with lesbian themes. Um, and that is human origin. So I'm sure the sexuality probably led to part of, you know, we're just going to take your skin. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, and then uh, the Boston Anthenaeum has a very well-known skin book, uh, The Highwayman Narrative of the Life of James Allen, um, allies George Walton, Walton, uh, it's bound with skin from Alan himself, reportedly for a copy to uh, gifted to a man who outwitted his robbery attempt. So when he was busted, he was like, take my skin. And I believe he said, give one to my family and give one to the guy that busted. Like that, that got me like, you got me. The one I respect. Yeah. The one I respect. Here's my skin in a book. And then this one's like, I saw this brought up quite a few places, but like maybe like not totally confirmed. Um, 
a French one, Marquise de Sade's Justine and Juliet, found in a woman's skin of, of French erotica. And some of these websites I saw so that has says it has a visible human nipple on the cover. But that just may be salacious rumors because I could not find a picture. So Okay. Did any of them make any like skin flick references to these? Because it does seem to be like it's either murder related or it's erotica related. Yeah. 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 Yes. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, so there could be more out there. You know, you got to get intestine. Oh, and also there was like a lot of books that seemed to have like handwritten notes inside of them that led people to think they were skin. So it would just be like, this book is about the skin of this person. Bop. But then when they tested it, it was not skin. So, you know, that's why like, there's just like a lot of rumors about skin books. Okay. I do like the idea of like, in your will, like send these books to my enemies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> They're my skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it's kind of wild so yeah Yeah. you know what none of these articles that talked about it were like let's talk about preservation of these things they were just like is it the history and the fact that these exist is enough right so i guess you treat them like leather books exactly and just and then well so only one article if you're about to go where i think you're gonna go just brought up a one-liner to be like so this does bring up the question of displaying these books human remains yes and it said like much to think about when it comes to exhibition right and that was it so like i didn't see that kind of uh let's have that ethical argument about this Mm. you know um so yeah because as you were talking i was like is that different than like hair art and like but it is because you can remove hair in like like it has like if it's skin, it is human remains. Whereas yeah. if it's hair, even if removed after death, yeah. it's still even though they are like technically the same yeah. material, it's not. Well, it kind of ties into, and I think we're gonna talk about that a little later, but like the bodies exhibition of like, you know, some people said, Yes, you could take my body, and other people were just women like Mary Lynch, where, you know, she died a horrible death and then yeah. I'll take your skin, right? don't take my skin you know right Um, unless I say that you can yeah yeah and 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 it's also like you're not taking my skin and necessarily doing like skin research you're taking my skin to tan it and go to be a weirdo yeah almost like I'll use this later you know on my great paper yeah those dissertations were not great I'm sure no (laughs) I have like this I feel like this also just touches probably the amount of body parts taken and used and like you know collected and you know just kind of like what else were people going like oh you know what I'm just going to I I did find a tongue that was in a museum collection just being like oh I'm just gonna take this tongue with me right now before you go burn that body you know it's just like is that different than that game? <laughs> right? I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. You know? Because, yeah, he was like, yeah, I like to get crafty, too. You know? I'm not just one-dimensional. No, I will stand in the moonlight, and then I will go home to my skin layout. Yes. Yes. Ah, uh, so, oh, well, yeah. Am I wrong or in Hocus Pocus? Book! Book! Yeah. Book. <laughs> yes, it is. It got brought up. And yeah, like, and there's been a couple other popular culture references to like skin books, but yeah, usually with like, you know, mystical, you know, usages. So 
So everybody use sunscreen and, you know, skin is, skin's the biggest organ on the body y'all. So lather it up. You never know when some creepy doctor is going to take you after you've died in tuberculosis ward. And which also like, don't be messing with a dead body when they've died tuberculosis, babe. Right. (laughs) No. And the, the, yeah, the worms. Well, no, he was a stupid doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just as, it's just like you think like some of these doctors were walking around with these egos being like, praise me, praise me. I'm doing medical research. I'm amazing. I'm great. And then being like, oh can I show you my my skin book you know like that's filled with my own writings that I think are genius I don't know red flag yeah yeah that's fun though yeah I feel like that's very on brand for you Sarah because the last (laughs) spooky one you did the witch bottles oh yeah I guess I got a fascination with like body products kind of like oh oh what does that say about me but yeah um but again I would consider showing off a witch's bottle you're not showing human remains. Even yes. Yeah. 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 Fingernails are not human remains. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what? I guess that body stuff does creep me out. Like you get creeped out by looking at a very realistic depiction of a body. I'm mm-hmm. one of those people that like, I can't, I can't watch a YouTube video about you going in and cutting somebody up and doing a thing. It gives me the medical history stuff is fascinating, but also terrifying and mm-hmm. just body just bodies are gross and amazing, you know? Yeah. I mean, should we talk about the bodies exhibit or is then? Because <sighs> I, I will say when I went in fourth grade, we went as a class trip and I like booked it through there. I was like, I am not into this. I did not go into the fetus area. I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> so I've never gone to one of the bodies exhibitions. And for the listeners that may not know, there was multiple traveling exhibitions in all over the the world of bodies that were basically plasticized so a uh dude that i cannot remember off the top of my head his name or his vibe but he came up with a plasticization technique that allowed him to display layers of human bodies like in a frozen position and he made a traveling exhibition about it and kind of like it got a little it went from like oh check out the layers of flesh and muscle and blah 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 blah, to then like oh this is a sex bodies exhibit and like this is how you procreate and these are the positions yeah positions wait really those were later we didn't see that in fourth grade yeah they would stage the bodies in positions that you might you know consider inappropriate or that's not the one i saw yeah i saw the one where they're like holding up the skin on the like the guy has it on a coat rack skin on a coat rack again in fourth grade that's a terrifying well, it was, stuff. It could have been sixth grade. It was definitely all still, still. I don't remember a coat rack. It felt very like um anatomy book to me. But then I later learned like how did how were these bodies sourced? Like where did they come from? Um uh, that there were some, you know, kind of murky areas there. Yes. But when I went as a kid, I was like, I, I find bodies really interesting and I was like oh it's cool to like look at all these muscles and like the different stages of the fetus and everything I I enjoyed it but um I also didn't know everything about it at the time mm-hmm. yeah again different ends of the spectrum yeah yeah I wanted to see it didn't get a chance to and then as time evolved you heard more and more kind of scandalous and yeah skeptical or sketchy things that could be happening which it definitely sounds was happening but also yes 
but it wasn't well known at the beginning yeah at the time no so yeah i mean yeah you could see what a great educational tool but then when it becomes like oof, uh you take it a little too far people take everything too far yeah you, know, you gotta know when to stop stop with the skin books my favorite murder recently somewhat recently did a very good episode yeah bodies exhibit because it is like confusing because then there was like other like the bodies exhibit yeah and, mm-hmm. um, to be honest I think I just have always like had a bit of a revulsion to human remains in museums uh-huh. uh one of my first yeah I saw the king tut remains and I threw up so oh, oh in, wow. the, in the gallery yeah I don't think that was why uh-huh but it was did help yeah. I famously have thrown up in a lot of areas. That was one of them. And in my mind, I'm like, I subconsciously had a reaction to b- these remains. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a bit random. Yeah. Apologies to that gallery guide from uh, the early yeah. 2000s. But See, and I was on the end of, I love looking at this stuff. We had a <laughs> book about um, mummies and... I, I like to look at the, the page of the actual mummy. Yeah. Like, like when you see like the different layers where it's like now it's the skin. It, yeah, the skin. I just I found it really interesting. I also because I was a terrible older sister, I loved to open the book to that page and show my middle sister because she was terrified of mummies. Classic. Yeah, yes. Classic older sister stuff. Hilarious. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I'm down with that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, yeah, now we know more about that and that we should really be respectful of human remains. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that was pretty spooky. Uh, It was pretty spooky. We, and in all ways, Humans in different forms, whether yeah. ghost, skin. So true. Sculpture. Yeah. All in the same vein. Yeah. Okay. That that's wow. true. We we had a theme. We did. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Okay. All right, that's cool. All right. Um, well, for us it's later than normal. I would say what's for dinner? I think the dinner hour is maybe already passed. Gone. Yeah. 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 So it's I guess instead of what's for dinner, it's uh Sleep well, friends. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess with that, stay preserved. preserved.